Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Lincoln Kratz. Today is a very special show. We have a roundtable discussion with three individuals who I'm very fond of, but they did not support Hillary Clinton in 2016, and they've changed to voting for the Democrat in 2020, Joe Biden. And the reasons why makes sense, and we're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about what makes it different this year in 2020 as opposed to 2016. Now, it's my pleasure to have my dear friend Jeff Simon with us today. Jeff is a former Libertarian candidate for the North Carolina House, and he voted for Gary Johnson in 2016. He's a very dear friend, and I appreciate you being with us here today, Jeff. Thanks for having us on. Faith Kaminsky is a lifelong Republican. She is a former lawyer for the GOP up in New York. She supported President Trump in 2016. And this year she is going to support Joe Biden. And I appreciate you coming on with us, Faith. Thank you, Thank very you for much. having me. And Annette Goldstein, known Annette for quite some time. Another lifelong Republican, Cuban-American teacher, did not vote in 2016 because she was disgusted with both of the candidates. This time around, she is supporting Joe Biden in 2020. Annette, I'm thrilled to have you here. Hey, Jeff, thanks. All right. So, Jeff, I'm going to start with you. I'm going to pick on you first. Why are you punching the ticket for Joe Biden this year? as opposed to going with a third party candidate like you did in 2016. I mean, you know, I, I, I like Joe Jorgensen, the, the libertarian candidate. I thought she had a, a good idea, you know, a lot of good plans. Um, I, unfortunately, you know, this year I just didn't feel like I could. Uh, I really wanted to, but I had to do my part in order to make sure that that Trump was not reelected. Um, you know, I, I figured the best option or their best bet at this point was I have to go with Biden as much as I didn't really, it was, you know, the better for the, for everybody versus just what I really wanted. What was it that brought you to that conclusion that you were going to vote for Joe? Well, again, all the, all the craziness that's gone on. Um, you know, I just, I couldn't take the potential of, of having to go through this for another four years. Um, you know, I, a lot of friends, a lot of family that, that felt one way or the other on it, and it's just felt like it was necessary. Faith, uh, you're supporting Joe Biden in 20. No, no, I'm not. I'm voting against Donald Trump. Okay. <laughs> Correction. You are casting a vote for Joe Biden. I'm casting a vote against fascism, and I'm not going to say it's for the Democrats. I am a Rockefeller Republican, and I feel that at this time, the extreme left of the Democrat Party is not in alignment with my beliefs, but the centrist view that Biden represents has somewhat more of a ring to it of what failed with the, uh, Mrs. Clinton's try last time around. I, I, and I can understand that. Um, what was it this time around that made, that made you cast a vote for 
I mean, you're casting. I mean, the tipping, the tipping point is the handling of this plague that we're living through. Um, the lack of a coordinated federal response and just, you know, I'm very fortunate to live in Key West where we've had low rates and a strong local government, but not everybody has that. Um, federalism was one of my interests when I was back in law school. And this is, it's just that sort of question. I mean, the federal government dropped the ball and somebody's got to pick it up. We need somebody to be responsible for what's ruining our country. And I can certainly appreciate that. Um, Annette, again, you're supporting Joe Biden this time around, did not support Hillary Clinton, did not support Donald Trump. Um, tell what went into your decision to support the Democrat in 2020? Um, I think like Faith, um, I, I'm a Republican. I, I'm, I support Republican ideals and values and that really hasn't changed for me. So it's not so much that, that I like Joe Biden, although I do like Joe Biden. He's a, I think he's, I don't know him. I think he's a good man. Um, I have no reason to believe that he's not a good person. And, and I think his heart's in the right place. Um, I don't necessarily agree with his politics all the time, but I think he's pretty moderate. And I think that in a, in a, in a different time, uh, Joe, uh, might have even been, you know, touching the tip of what a Republican is. He's extremely moderate. Um, I, I do have an issue with certain factions of the Democratic Party. Um, I do think some people are, have just gone way too far left. And I think some people have gone to way too far right. And so Joe Biden is, um, is something I'm comfortable with. He's in the center. And I think that he definitely is someone who's um, worked with people on both sides of the aisles. He's a good man. I think his heart's in the right place. He's not, he's not my favorite candidate. Um, I wish that there had been someone better um, on both sides, but this is what, what we have. And um, like I said, I think he's a good man. And I think that, um, I think he'll, I think he'll he'd make a good president. Let me stick with you. Cause um, well, I want to, so I'm going to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's the difference this time around in 2020 for you to cast a vote for Joe Biden as opposed to Hillary Clinton in 2016 against Donald Trump? I think that I didn't know um, how bad <laughs> um, Trump would be. You know, like I, so many, and it's not even that I disagree so much with Trump's politics. It's just who he is as a leader. I think he's done a very poor job of unifying our country. Um, I think he's done some good things. I, I, I actually really do. I, case in point, Israel, I think he's done some good things there. Like, I don't necessarily think that everything he's done is terrible, but I think that he's just done a very poor job of unifying our country. And he hasn't really been the leader that America has needed. And so I didn't know that. I, I, I didn't like him. I, I, I remember him doing some pretty terrible things in interviews and saying nasty things on Twitter. And, and it, it really turned me off. Um, but so did Hillary. And, and, I, and I, I think voting is so important, which is I, I'm upset with myself that I didn't vote because um, my parents fled Cuba because they lost that ability to vote. And so voting is something I, I take very seriously. But I... And in, in, I just couldn't in good conscience vote for either one because I, I didn't agree with either one. And so that was hard. It was, it was hard. 
Well, you weren't alone because you had two of the most unpopular people running for president in the history of the country. Oh. Faith, I'm going to go to I'm going to go to you next. I, I could tell you're ready to go. Well, I was just uh, to to Annette's point. Um, the main reason I voted for Trump in 2016 was his support of Israel, and the idea that uh, Jared Kushner was in the fold gave some comfort. And when he did what he did in declaring Jerusalem the capital. That was fantastic until he started declaring the plague was a hoax. And that really kind of changed my mind. That was a turning point, I think. Jeff, same question to you in terms of what was the difference this time around as opposed to uh, voting for voting for Hillary Clinton in 2016? Voting you know, it's for, funny. I actually just for, had a... Excuse me, for Biden this time around. So I just had a conversation actually with my wife about this that, you know, I didn't vote for Hillary because to me, she came across acting as though she was entitled to it. Yeah. And I felt like it was the same yes. way back in 2008 when she ran against Obama and didn't get the nomination. She just, and I don't want to say that it's, it's a woman thing. Oh, she had to come across it, you know, that she came across bitchy or anything. No, it's just, she came across and acted like she was entitled to the position. And just because you, you've been in politics forever because your husband was in it for a long time, because you, you may or may not have been a decent president. We'll never know. You just, you can't expect that you're going to get that role. It's not going to be handed to you. And as much as the democratic party in 2008 wanted to hand it to her, they realized, Hey, you know what? We have a better shot with Obama than we do with Hillary. I think Fast forward to this last time. And it was the same sort of thing. I didn't want to vote for her because again, I still felt like she came across as though she would, she thought she was going to be the one. No matter who she ran against, it was going to be her show. And I just couldn't. Well, I know, I mean, I don't make no bones about where my politics are, but I, I was not a fan of her in 2016 or before that. Uh, I was really hoping that Joe Biden was going to run in 2016. And when his son passed away, I had a feeling that, that he just wasn't up to it. Uh, it happened all around the same time. I know a lot of people were kind of thinking the same thing, like maybe Joe's going to throw his hat in the ring. And it just didn't happen this time around. He is, um, you know, I'm sure that uh, at 77 years old, he didn't expect to be running for president. But here we are. Here we are. Um, let me ask you this. For anybody out there who is in a position that you are, Faith, somebody who is a, a principled Republican, uh, you walk the walk, you talk the talk. What would you say to somebody out there who's thinking about crossing party lines and casting a vote for Joe Biden? I think for me, it all comes down back to the, um, the principles of uh, elections and primaries. The elections, the uh, primaries tended to be centrist in the past. And this year, I think they've gone very divergent. So there is no centrist position. And a vote for a third-party candidate is just going to delete the ability to get rid of the fascist dictator that's currently in office. That's why I would say that people should... I also met a person the other night who wasn't going to vote at all because he thought it was just hopeless. And that just seemed wrong to me because it's a responsibility. Yeah, well, apathy is going to breed more of, what, more of the same and what you don't want. Um, and nothing has a chance of changing if you're apathetic. That's how I, how I view it. Um, Annette, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I agree with a lot of the things Jeff just said. Um, 
I remember thinking to myself, um, she's not even campaigning that hard. You know, um, she ignored a lot of groups. Um, she didn't Stage go after- she didn't really bother to go after a lot of the groups that she needed to go after she didn't really try that hard and and the feeling that I always got was she thinks she's going to win this because of her name and and I think that she was also thinking that maybe our country was ready for a woman president which it is I, I definitely think it is and I think that she expected that we would support her because of her gender and gender, race, none of that means anything to me. I'm going to vote for whoever I think is this, the best candidate. Um, I, I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your race is. That, that doesn't even enter into the equation for me. And I just always had a, I had an issue with her. She was a problematic candidate. She wasn't, she wasn't, she was not, she wasn't their best bet. And so I really agree with Jeff. I, I felt I always felt like she had a sense of entitlement about her that really disturbed me. And I and I wanted to like her because I want I'd love to see a woman in office. I think a woman would make a great president. Women are great leaders. I see it every day at my school, you know, and women lead beautifully. Um, but she just wasn't the right woman. And um hopefully there'll be one soon. But uh yeah, she wasn't it. So <laughs> Jeff Simon, classy Jeff. Yes. Um, same same question to you. Which is sorry, we've been oh, going around. Well, so we were, we were <laughs> I'm a little lost too. I, I, what I, I guess my my question was, what would you tell somebody who is a member of a third party or no party affiliation as a reason to cast a vote for Democrat Joe Biden this time around? I mean, look, I voted, you know, third party and I have several times now and, and I vote that way, not because I, I you know, want to be different or, oh, look, I'm going to vote third party. So everybody knows, look, I'm different than somebody. I vote that way because that, you know, when I walk out of the polls, I want to know that I'm comfortable with who I voted for, whether or not they're going to win. I want to vote for who I think would make the best president. Um, unfortunately, again, with this presidency or this this vote, I couldn't vote that way. And, and I think other people need to understand that, you know, as much as we all want to, you know, we being third party people want to vote based off of our, our values or our thought process on everything. It can't come down to that on this one. Unfortunately, it's got to come down to, are you okay with what's going on in this country, whether it's due to the pandemic, whether it's due to relations, you know, both internal and external, uh, you know, international kind of relations, um, you know, it's, it's all got to come down to that is to, you know, if you're okay with that, then, then either vote third or vote for, for Trump. If you're not, and you want to see actual change happen in this country, and you want to see us get back to the country we used to be, then, you know, you're, you don't really have a choice in a sense. I mean, you know, again, kind of like Faith was saying, it's not so much that I voted for Biden, but I couldn't vote for the other sides. Um, I mean, I did like Biden. I, had he run back in in 2000, was it 16? I probably would have voted for him at that point. I liked him. I liked his, you know, just things about him. He just kind of came across as a, I would like to say genuine. I don't know if he really was or not, but you know, you like to hope so. I mean, you've seen him for eight years as a vice president. It'd be nice to see him kind of move forward with that as well. So um, yeah, I would just tell people that that's why. Jeff, and I'd like to add that, that not only does he seem genuine, but there, you know, he's, he's been a career politician. And so we, he has a history that we can look at and he's, 
he's worked with people on both sides. Um, he's very well respected, well regarded by by many Republicans. He's a good man. Um, whether we necessarily agree with his politics or not, he he is someone who who is willing to work with Republicans to get things done, and I, I like that. But that's well, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and you know I think that you know Faith, you you would agree. Um, whether you agree with Joe Biden or, or not on his policies, he, when he was in the Senate, he seemed to get along with people pretty well. I mean, you've seen the commercials that have been out there about Lindsey Graham saying that he's about as kind of person as he's ever met in his life. You don't say that about just anybody. I was pretty taken back by that and then to see the behavior uh, over the past couple of years with, with uh, Senator Graham. Um, I think that, you know, relationships do matter. And, you know, I think that what you were talking about him being a, a moderate voice, a, a centrist, I think that in, in a way, I, I think America is really looking for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I read an article recently that the, the scale that one would normally have historically looked at of left versus right that it's just all shifted in both directions and we just don't have a middle anymore. Well, we do, but we don't have conversations like this. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the Lincoln Pratt party may be an ability to rise from the ashes of the GOP, which is a shameful right now. So I, I have not been able to figure out with all the access to lawyers and knowledge that I have, where's the person who's supposed to stop a maniac who's in office killing people Faith, and not I stopping a plague? Where's I the checks and balances? Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Um, no, I'm sorry, I'm just where are the checks and balances here? Yeah, I think that there are people in the middle. I just think that the voices are so loud on both, you know, on the extreme sides that they they drown out um, those of us who do live in the center in the real world and have reason. Well, I mean, I think that, not you know, to interrupt, but I think that's an important point mm -hmm. that the silent majority, that's the people we're talking to right now, the people yeah. who don't think they're important because you are. You got to mm -hmm. rise up from the middle and do something about this because those of us who are actively engaged in this, we're going to do what we're going to do. The ones who aren't convinced are the people sitting home watching this right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. And I always say, I think that most people that you encounter in your life, if you really talk with them, yeah, there may be a little bit to the left, a little bit to the right. Very few people are all the way on the left or all the way on the right. Uh, but what we see on TV is just that. And it's dishonest, and it's not how real people think. Um, and we've gotten away from being able to have even civil discussions with people without it turning into a shouting match. I mean, that's, you know, one of the reasons I, I invited all of you to come on here, because we've disagreed on a lot of stuff, but we don't make it personal and we don't attack each other. We listen. Sometimes you may be right. Sometimes I'm not going to change. But it's, it's good for your brain. It's good for democracy to actually have an exchange of ideas. I think that's kind of what the founding fathers uh, wanted, you know, and, you know <laughs> based on, uh, you know, the Constitution and everything else. Jeff, you brought up something about international relations. And I wanted to ask you about what in particular was concerning to you about international relations right now under the Trump administration? Well, I mean, I, I just, I don't like the way that he's handled, um, handled Europe at all. 
you know, the, from the very beginning when it was the whole, you know, thing with he and Merkel and, you know, all these other people, he just, he was, you know, constantly pushed himself to the front. He, he just had this air about him, like, oh, look at how much better I am than you. When you're, you're standing in front of world leaders, you know, you're standing in front of people that are really at the same level as you, if not above, because they've been doing it for a while and you're kind of new to this whole thing. Um, you know, obviously all this stuff with Russia, one way or the other, whether, whether you believe that or not, you know, it just, it wasn't done properly as far as, you know, how he handled it, how anybody else handled that. Um, the ongoing thing with China right now where, you know, he's going to constantly blame them for the pandemic, but at the same time, it's not stopping him from, from, you know, doing business with them and, and getting other things sorted out over there. Um, it just, you know, it just doesn't seem like there's anybody in this world at this point that really wants to have anything to do with him or to do with us. You know, the only reason they want to deal with the U S is because we've got a lot of things to export or we buy a lot of crap. I mean, that's, it's the reality of it is that, you know, our country is, is huge consumers. You know, you, you talked, I mean, not to shift it, but you were talking earlier about how you, all you see is people on left and right. And it's all about, you know, it's all about ratings. It's all about likes. And it's the same sort of thing when you start looking at, at imports and exports, it's, you know, it's the demand. This country's got a demand to have to have something like this major consumerism and we don't produce enough stuff here. So now you're buying outside of here and I just don't feel like he's done enough to really try and improve those relations throughout the world and find other locations to bring stuff in. Annette, what are your thoughts on <clears throat> the state of our international relations uh, under the Trump administration? I mean, I'm, I'm probably not as educated as um, my, my colleagues here, <laughs> but um, I will say that um, I don't, I don't necessarily agree when I hear people say that, you know, people don't respect America anymore and that we're the laughing stock of the world. And, you know, I hear things like that. And I, I don't necessarily think that's true. Um, but I definitely don't agree with, like Jeff said, you know, the way he treats other world leaders. I mean, um, if, if you want to get anything done, you, you, you have to play nice. And, um, he doesn't play nice, you know, um, it, it's, it's part of the job, you know, and I think that that's really Trump's problem is that he has no filter and he says things that sh one shouldn't say. Um, it doesn't mean he's not allowed to think them, but he can't say them. Um, I recall, um, you probably remember this better than I do, but uh, remember one time when Obama was president and he made a comment about BB and he was on a microphone and I think uh, everyone heard it. Do you remember that? He was. It, it, it could have been uh, Biden. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, it was Obama. It was Obama. And he, and he said something and it, it was somehow amplified or he said something like, Oh God, him again, or it was something to that effect. I don't remember. And it was funny to me because it was a very human thing to say. And, and, and Trump is allowed to feel what he feels, but he has no filter and, and you can't get things done if you don't play nice. And then I think that that's really been a problem for him. I feel like, you know, I, I do think America's respected. I, you know, I disagree with people who say that, but but I think it's Trump that people have a problem with. I don't think it's America. I think the governing by Twitter is a yes. real issue. Um, Faith, I mean, I'm going to talk to you about that. Just a president's words matter. And a, well, I mean, my problem, I mean, that, this is my whole, I know you read what I write. Words mm -hmm. matter. I'm a writer by trade. Um, as a retired lawyer, I now write a lot. And um, 
you know, words are important and we let our language slide into memes and misspelled words and sort of the Jerry Springer of the universe here. And, um, you know, there's just no standards anymore. I've been pushing the ideals of the objectivism of objectivism and Ayn Rand, not very popular, well-known these days, but it was a set standard where you measure people by, and there's a merit-based system and not a cronyism-based system. And we have this big, fat, bloated federal government that, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little speedy now, that's spending all of our tax dollars to feed itself rather than its own people. And we have our local government struggling, like here in Florida, with no tax to fund the schools. The, the salaries are much less than what they are even in New York City, which is that I worked with in that system for many years, one of the poorest, poorest paid districts in the entire country. So, you know, you're feeding these bureaucrats rather than the people who are paying the taxes. Uh, Jeff, um, I didn't give you a chance to speak on the tweets, the comments, the no filter of Donald Trump. That matters, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it matters a lot. And I think it's, you know, anytime you're going to throw out, I mean, look at all, look at all the stuff that he posts out there. You know, it's not thought out. It's not obviously going through a speechwriter of any kind. And some people like that. Some people are happy that he just speaks off the cuff and he, he does what he's going to do. I mean, as a CEO in, in his mind, he's a CEO of the U S um, mm -hmm. you know, look, I don't mind if there's a, if there's a businessman running the country, I just don't think he's the right businessman, obviously. Um, and that's why you see it. To me, that's why you see all these hirings and firings is because he treats his country like a company. You know, he's a CEO. He gets away and does whatever he wants to do because who's going to tell him no. And, you exactly. know, as, as a CEO, I'm going to put out whatever email I want to put out, which is the same as his tweets. He's going to put out whatever he wants. And he doesn't worry about the repercussions because to him, he's shielded. Nothing can get to him. Well, I think one of the biggest issues is he changes his mind all the time and people are working on his projects and then all of a sudden he tweets something and it completely trashes everything that they've done. Um, that's not a, that's not a smart way to run any business. It's, it's not presidential. He doesn't respect institutional memory. And unless you have some continuity, I mean, I personally think that Alan Greenspan kept our economy on track for so long and his departure from the government, he was bi bipartisan by far the best manager of our economy and I think that contributes somewhat. Yeah, I, I, I do. I agree with you. And it, again, it's it's just one of those things where you can never get a coherent type of strategy be, because of that. Um, what do you make of all of the different, and we talked about the firings and the leavings, whether it be Rex Tillerson, H.R. McMaster, all of these different individuals, John Kelly, um, Principled Republicans, from what I what I gather, Faith, how do you feel about about those individuals and how they left this administration? Well, what I feel is very let down by the party, which is where I come to jumping ship because there's been no support. I mean, I've worked uh, for campaigns a long time. I even worked on, uh, believe it or not, Trump's campaign last year. I just like doing that. It was a hobby of mine back in the day. Um, but I mean, I, I know, Annette, you mentioned earlier that you know, I, I supported Israel. I just think that his proclamations aren't worth anything. But he's just gone so far off the rails. We need to get our country back on track. We have so many opportunities to have a new deal and rebuild like FDR did. I mean, after McCarthyism fell, we had a president who rebuilt the country. We're back in another system that's similar to McCarthyism. And we need somebody who's more conciliatory. And I think Joe Biden, although I would have preferred Elizabeth Warren, does fit the bill enough. 
That's interesting that uh, you would have preferred Elizabeth Warren. What was it about her um, that you that resonated with you? I think this was the year of the woman, and I think they missed a big opportunity with the Me Too movement and the way the tides are turning for gender equality. I think there was a big opportunity missed there. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm a big fan of her, so I had to ask that. I would have voted for her with my heart. I would have voted for her, but I can't vote for Biden because of the touchy-feely issue and the wishy-washy nature of his um, demeanor as it is presented. Gotcha. Well, I'm trying to, you know, I want to make sure that we are covering anything and everything within a you know short amount of time. Um, Jeff, what is your... <clears throat> What is your best hope moving forward, assuming, let, let's just say Joe Biden wins this election, what's your best hope for America with a Biden presidency? I mean, I'd like to hope that we get back to where we were within the world standings. I mean, I know Annette said that she doesn't think that we're laughing stock, and I guess we're not really a laughing stock, but, you know, I would like to see us get back and, and be respected in, in my mind, you know, I... I I see a lot of, you know, the things that go on with European countries again and, and some of these other places. And it just would be nice to see them look forward to us showing up as opposed to it being, oh, God, here they come again kind of thing. Um, you know, I think that's a lot of it for me is just really getting respect back for the country. I don't think that, that that there's a lot there. I don't think there's a lot even in our country. There's no respect for each other, you know, no matter which side you're on. And it's just it's disappointing. I'd like to see all that get resolved and I'd like to get everybody back to where you know yeah okay we don't see eye to eye but I don't want to see it where now I got to come at you with a bat because you're coming at me with a knife you know it's just it, that's not working and and it's kind of tiresome to see that that kind of stuff going on yeah I mean I think the key word there is respect we've lost a lot of respect in this country for individuals Jeff I have most of my friends are Democrats and you and only one other person have I been able to have civil conversations with I'm not as very much informed about the specific people you're discussing because I had to just tune out too much contention for me, you know? Understood. But social yeah. media can do that. So. Yeah, you know, I try to stay on the neutral side of things. That's my inclination. Well, you know, I was just talking to somebody on Facebook the other day, and he said, oh, this is the one thing I agree with you on. I think it was something about Mel Brooks. I go, you know, <laughs> I, think that was me, I, my I think that was me. No, no, it was, it was somebody else. It was somebody well, else. That's strange because I'm related to Mel Brooks. Are you? Yeah. he's a Oh, that's right. Your last name. Yep. How did I not make two put two and two together? Yeah, oh, we're going to talk after this. I, I, I don't know how yet because <laughs> he's my favorite. Um, my but, favorite too. But get you know, getting back to what I was saying, the guy's like, "Oh, we agree." I go, you know, if you and I were talking face to face, we probably have more in common than you think. It's just that when you boil it down to words and just typing it, and oh, I'm going to aggressively write something back to you. We're not getting anything done and we're ripping each other apart. I feel like discussions like this are not happening as much as they can. We're afraid to talk about politics and religion. We've been told never talk about politics and religion. So therefore we just don't know how to talk about them. Um, but I digress. Annette, as if Joe Biden and Kamala Harris win this election, what's your best hope for the future of America? Um, I, I, I hope that um, we can get back to um, being Americans and stop being Republicans and Democrats, you know? <laughs> I'd like to see less of that. I feel like 
the two parties have just kind of taken over and there's so much division. Everybody just seems to identify as either a Democrat or a Republican. And I'd like to just be reminded of when we were Americans, you know, and, and we all want the same things. We might have different um, answers as to, you know, how to get there. Um, but at the end of the day, I'd like to think that people on both sides want the same things. And um I just, I miss that. I miss that, that sense of patriotism and that sense of unity as a nation. And I, and I hope um, that we can have that. And, um, you know, heck, I hope we have that no matter who wins, even if Biden doesn't win. I hope something, ha you know, because that's really, really my issue is um, that's been hard for me to see that there's so much hatred right now and so much blaming. And, and I just, I'd like, I'd like to see us all be Americans again. I think we really need to turn down the temperature mm -hmm. a little bit in this country. The way things are going right now, it is scary. It uh, is. I've thought things in my head that I never thought were possible uh, in America. And I'm seeing things right now. And it's like, how much longer can, can this happen? And, you know, we all have kids. This wasn't how we grew up. This wasn't the way it was. Yes, we disagreed on certain issues, but the only good Democrat is a dead Democrat being retweeted by the president of the United States. That would not have happened under Ronald Reagan if Twitter existed. It just wouldn't have. Nor would it have happened even under Bill Clinton, who I happen to think was a fine president, by the way. Not the greatest guy in the world, you know, but I don't, I'm, he's, you know, I'm trying to be his friend, but he, I didn't dislike him as a president. I thought he did a great job. We were, we, that was a, a really nice period in American history. Um, obviously, I love Reagan. I mean, these were all, these were statesmen, you know, and I'd like to get back to that. You know, I'd like to, to have a president that, you know, people aren't embarrassed of, or, you know, or people have to, I know people who support Trump, but are afraid to admit it. And that's, that's weird. You know, <laughs> like you should be proud of who your president is, you know, and that makes me sad that they're afraid of, of, of voting for him. Um, that's a problem, you know, that, you know, talk about taking a pause. I mean, that's a problem. If you can't admit that you support someone, then that that's inherently a problem. You know, we it's something that needs to be to be corrected. So I'd, I'd like to see all of that go away. Yeah. Jeff, what should Americans expect out of a president taking Trump and Biden out of the equation? What's reasonable to an ex to expect from a United States president? I mean, I'd like to see, you know, some balance in things, you know, instead of it being constantly bashing one side or the other, get to where, you know, where you are a moderate, where you are a centrist, where you're willing to work with both sides to get everybody on the same page. And, you know, it's just, I think that's what you need from a president is somebody who's not going to just say, well, I'm on the right. And so therefore I hate everybody on the left or, you know, whatever it is, it needs to be I mean, you're at the top of the food chain when it comes to politics. So you need to be that, that pinnacle person. You need to be able to work with both sides because you're, both sides are dealing with you. And I really think that's what it's going to come down to is, you know, you need somebody up there that's, that's willing to make some moves and you can't be, you know, solid in your stance. You've got to be able to be flexible and allow different ideas to happen. You have to be aware that, you know, not all of your ideas are going to come through either. And that you're willing to say, you know what, this person actually had a better idea than I did. 
Let's go with what they said. And you're never going to get that out of Trump because it, it'll crush his ego and that can't happen. Faith, what are your thoughts? What the, the American people, what is reasonable to expect from their president? I'm just going to go on a different tack than Jeff because you did such an excellent job and you've been beating him up all day. Um, I think that what we can expect from economic growth should be rebuilding of our infrastructure. I've been a strong supporter of national rail system. Uh, during Hurricane Katrina, the southeastern part of the United States was cut off from the southwestern part of the United States. The rails were washed out and they've never been rebuilt. I do a lot of rail travel and I think it's a shame. Um, I also read somewhere during the course of this that instead of Trump's wall, some think tank somewhere came up with the idea of putting a wind farm along the Mexican border that would serve both as security and a power generator for both sides of the border. I think that would be a two excellent job creating infrastructure building ideas that would help restore our economy and create manufacturing jobs. Annette Goldstein, same question. The expectation that Americans should have from their president. Um, just a, a good leader, you know. Um, I don't necessarily expect my president to have all the answers. But I do expect him to surround himself with experts, you know, and I think that that's what makes a good leader. I think we keep looking for this perfect candidate that is smart and charismatic and this and that and experienced and, you know, not a Washington guy. Like we're looking for all these qualities. And I think at the end of the day, a good leader is just someone who inspires people to be their best, you know, be the best version of themselves they can be. So let's get a guy in, in the or a girl in the White House who's going to say, you know what, I don't have all the answers, but I'm the leader. And so I'm going to bring in whoever is an expert in crime, whoever is an expert in economic matters, whoever is an, an expert in international relations, just bring in all the brightest people in the country and let them, you know, have a say. Um, that's what I want. I want someone who's going to listen, someone who's going to listen to other people and, and get things done. Well, I can't thank all of you enough for being here today. And, you know, I think we could probably go on and on and on and on forever. But, uh, you know, I can't, I got to go home at some point. So <laughs> I came to the office today uh, to do this. So you wouldn't hear uh, Mona and Leah barking or anything like that, like on my last show. But um, I appreciate all of you uh, putting your country before party, uh, doing what's right. And I really hope that anybody who's watching or listening to this can feel that this is a conversation that needed to be had. There's a lot of people that feel exactly like all three of you do. And this show is for them. We're getting down to the wire. There is early voting going on in Florida right now and across the country. Election day is November 3rd. Too many people sat on their hands on the last election, some of it was for good reasons. Annette and I talked about that. But this time around, there's a lot at stake. And, you know, if you, if you care about America, if you care about the way the country is going, if you want to reverse course, I hope that anybody watching or listening to this will make the effort to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris uh, for president and vice president in 2020. Um, again, thank you. Thank all of, I would just, I'm just so kind of taken back by, uh, by doing this. I've been wanting to do this for several months and 
uh, the three of you giving me this opportunity to, to reach people in ways that I simply can't. Uh, I'm forever indebted to you for that. And Very I, much thanks to you too. Well, yeah, thanks, thanks for the opportunity. All right. Thanks to you, Jeff, for caring so much and for always being so vocal. And um, you're, you're a good guy. You're a patriot, man. <laughs> I try. It's hard sometimes, though, I will tell you. But I try, you know, I try to see the good. I try to understand where people are coming from. Uh, you know, I have my own beliefs, but I also know uh, that while I am a Democrat, I don't agree with everything uh, that is going on. Uh, and I'll say it. Um, it's just that unfortunately right now, it seems like the only thing you can do is call people names and uh, without having a conversation. And I don't like to get into that. And when people get into that with me, I've just learned to walk away because it's just not worth it. This is worth it right here. This is this was the best conversation about politics I've had in a long time. Yeah, well, you know <laughs> what? You. Uh, I hope we can do it again because this is this is just fabulous. Um, for those of you who are um, watching, if you want to listen to it, it will be on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, uh, and Spotify as well. Uh, thank you all for, for listening to me, listening to my friends, and please vote for Joe Biden on November 3rd. Be well, everyone. Thank you. Thank you.